Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Side. This is IMSA Radio. Do you know, once in a while, we are a little bit odd because we complain about this job that we do a job that most people would give important parts of their body to be in the situations that we are never never will you hear any of a single complaint whatsoever about having to come to Canadian Tire Motorsport Park it is one of the great venues of international motorsport anywhere in the world it's been improved over the last four years or so, and it is still just one of the most evocative and atmospheric places to go motor racing. So it's with great joy that the IMSA Radio team are here this weekend to cover all of the IMSA series. The sun is shining, the crowd is growing for what promises to be a bumper weekend, and it's all live here on IMSA Radio. Continental Sports Car Challenge on IMSA Radio. Hello, everybody. I'm John Hindorf. Greg Kramer is alongside me in the booth overlooking the final corner here at Continental Tire. Uh, excuse me, Canadian Tire Motorsport <laughs> Park. I knew I would do that at least once this weekend. It's it inevitable. Is, it's it inevitable. is the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. Second free practice session. First one somewhat interrupted by red flag periods. So this is a really important 45 minutes on the clock for all of the competitors because the next time we see these guys they'll be going into their qualifying sessions for the two classes st and gs st street tuner uh, the slightly smaller engine cars maximum uh, cylinders six cylinders four and six cylinders what you see you'll have rotary in here if you want to hello mazda and uh nsu i suppose if you, if you could find a, <laughs> a, a homologated uh, old nsu ro80 or something like that uh there's a thought for a project in the future. And GS, of course, are the uh, slightly larger engine cars up to eight cylinders uh, with a little more work, but not that much. These are still very much street stock cars that you could uh, lust after down at your local specialised car dealer. The laps on the circuit by the uh, GT Porsche and the Bob Bondurant Driving School Corvette it have just been completed. The course clearing laps and cars are making their way down onto the pit road in front of us. It's been a cracking season so far, Greg, for Continental Tyres Sports Car Challenge. As I said, we pretty much blew that first session with a couple of lengthy uh, red flag periods, notably for the Mantella Corvette, which ended up on its right-hand door over at turn number three, which has been one of the action areas so far uh, in this early part of this IMSA weekend. That's not good news for anybody, because at a circuit like uh, the uh, we have here uh, at Bowmanville, you want to be comfortable in the car. No matter how many times you've been here, getting a few more laps under the wheels here at Canadian Time Motorsport Park is never a bad thing. No, just because of the outright pace. You spend so much time in these long, very high-speed corners, and especially when you're driving more production-based stock equipment, uh, just that comfort factor is absolutely huge. You're really pushing the envelope here so much. Uh, the approach speeds into the turns, the commitment into and through the apex of these corners is mega. Yes, they've improved runoff in some of the areas, but as we've already seen, there are other areas that are still wicked quick where there is consequence. And uh, just seat time at a, at a track like this is everything to just become familiar with it. Because of the speeds, that's the biggest thing here, and and getting the car to work. And obviously, when you got a softer platform, 
on a car like you do on a more production-based car. This is a track that, you know, when you're running a full-on race prep car, high downforce, very stiff platform is what you want for that pitch stability to keep those that aerodynamic in the right spot. You can't do that as much with this type of a car, so track time here is really key. And it's, as I say, we lost pretty much all of the 45 minutes of the first practice session uh, this morning. Be interested to see, and, and hopefully Shea Adam will be able to bring us up to date with uh, that uh, Camaro that was uh, somewhat hobbled this morning. Beautiful blue skies, a little bit of high white clouds, maybe a little bit of a weather front coming in from uh, over on the north and east side of the circuit. But the weather forecast I looked at this morning was pretty kind to us. Mid to high 20 degrees Celsius. Uh, that is in the high 70s to early 80s on the Fahrenheit scale. A little bit warmer towards the weekend, possibly e easing up as high as uh, the high 80s on the weekend. But if you're camping here, uh, it should be pretty good. Oh. Listening on 90.7 FM and 454 around the circuit, around the world at imza.com and radiolamont.com for this free practice session. I would expect to see, in fact, everybody is sitting in the out lane ready to go. No one at their pit stall. There'll be a green flag in a moment or two's time. I would expect people getting down to some pretty serious work here, Greg, because of the fact that they lost that time in the first session. Yeah, nobody's going to wait. You just got to get out now and really go after it, work on that on those setups because we qualify at the end of the day today. Correct. So you don't have a lot of time to just laze about here. You've got to get that car sorted and be ready to go. And you bring up a great point there because what you've got to do now is get laps in. You've got to get laps under the wheel with no risk because you do any kind of damage to the car right now and it's going to be a real scramble to get the car into any kind of shape to come out for the qualifying session. That's the balance, isn't it? You know, you got to push for the pace, you got to get that working, but if you wad the car up, uh, it, best case scenario, you're probably going to start at the back because the crew's just not going to be able to get it turned around. And speaking of pace, the time that the uh, the number 14 Doran Nissan Nismo 370Z set a 127.548 this morning, underneath last year's Grand Sport track record. Oh, wow. So these cars are already seriously hauling the mail. Uh, the number 34, Mazda Simchek and De uh, Devin Jones, that is the Alara Motorsport machine at a 132.286. That, too, underneath yes, uh, last year's track record by a whopping three-tenths already. Yeah. That's that, and that one. was in the limited running that they had this exactly. morning. Exactly. Yeah. So it says one a lot about the continuing development that these teams do work in their programs. Uh, you know, there's not a lot you can do to these cars in terms of modification. It's set up and tweak and all of that. But also, I think you got to give a shout-out to Continental Tire. Clearly, they are continuing a Great. tremendous job of development. And if you were listening uh, a little earlier on, uh, on IMSA Radio, you will have heard Jim and Shea at the... Valde proving ground, finding out exactly what goes into transferring the track racing technology into street tyres. Cars are on the circuit for the second free practice session for the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. Uh, it was BJ Zacharias in that Nissan that was quickest this morning. He put the time in very early on, second or third lap out, got a little bit of free running and managed to put those uh, that very quick timing that you've just heard Greg talking about and already at the front of the line we've got one two three four of the big muscle cars and that is both of the Stevenson Camaros in there and one of the GT350 uh, uh, Mustangs as well the new Ford Shelby GT350 RCs the Multimatic Motorsports entered car Jade Buford uh, Austin Sindrick in the 158 and in the 15 Billy Johnson and Scott Maxwell uh, they had a great opening weekend. The ST runners also looking to get a little bit of an aerodynamic draft, get a little bit of uh, slipstream down the long Marandretti straight at the back of the circuit. We used to say in British motorsport many years ago when I was covering things like Formula Ford or Formula Vauxhall Lotus, which were quite slippery little cars, round quick tracks like Thruxton in particular, no tow, no front row. And I just <laughs> wonder already if we're seeing people just de deliberately not trying to find a gap here, Greg. They are looking to see how their cars are going in bunches of cars, in traffic, and just see how that's affecting where they 
you mentioned it earlier, the approach and entry speeds to some of these corners are probably among the quickest, if not the quickest, of anywhere the series will go this year. I don't think there's any question about that, those speeds. And you're right, you need to know what your car's doing in traffic with the tow because obviously from Moss up into 8, getting a tow will be very nice. But the problem is, at some point, when you start to make that turn into eight and into some of these fast corners, if you're still in the wash of the car in front, what little arrow these cars work, you lose on the nose of the car. So you need to have an understanding. If I'm running in a pack, if I'm in a real battle here with somebody, what is the effect going to be on the car of being in that car's wash? Uh, I mean, that's why these practices are so important. It's not just about outright speed, dialing in a setup on the car. It's finding out what the car is going to do when you're running in these packs because you spend a lot of time in them in this series. Oh, yeah. Live on IMSA Radio, we're at the beautiful uh, surroundings of uh, our Canadian round, which is, of course, Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. Uh, I'm John Hindhoff, Greg Kramer alongside me. It will be Shea Adam as our Continental Tire Pit Lane reporter for this session. And we'll hear Shea pop up when she's uh, got something for us to talk about. Welcome along around the track, 90.7 FM, 90.7 FM and 454 on your scanner. And thanks to our technical team, Brian Peck, uh, among them, and uh, also Racing Radios for the technology to get that out on scanners. I know many of you will be listening to uh, the guys speaking back to the pits at the moment. It seems as though every time I look up, there are more trailers, more camping, more spectators heading onto the infield of this fantastically green circuit. It was very wet earlier on the week. The, there was a big thunderstorm just as we landed in Toronto on Tuesday afternoon. Indeed, we were delayed for about an hour coming in, and it was... Pretty much two by two up the 400 as we were heading up north of Barry. It did look like Noah was bringing us in, <laughs> wondering if I probably should have brought water wings instead of the Audi SQ5. And thanks to Audi of Canada and Audi of North America for that uh, 355 horsepower beauty that is uh, our transport this weekend. Big pack of ST cars coming through, including the 92 Honda which did so well last time out at Watkins Glen. Must have been uh, half a dozen or eight cars going through that. Of uh, BJ Zacharias put the time in. Uh, Brad Jager jumped in later on into that car. We're down to 28-1, so already people starting to find their feet out there in ST. Uh, once again... <laughs> Are we surprised that it's Justin Piscatel's car that's at the top of that? Of course not. He's had all four pole positions this season. One in a Porsche, the remaining three till now in the Mazda MX-5. And always as a last-minute replacement. When is somebody in this paddock going to wake up and go, we need him? Let's lock him in. Well, is he now just, in that car for the rest of the season? I don't know. That's uh, it was it was the last report that I had heard was that he at this point did not have a ride, and this one now he's in the sixty-five, which is the team Marillo Racing car, uh, which is uh, I believe that one is still the BMW that they're running. So you know he was in the Porsche for Marillo Racing at the opener when he got pole. Then he's been in the Alara car, got the poles. Now he's in. The team Amarillo Racing BMW, I believe. I think this is uh, him coming right through turn 10 at this stage. Yep, indeed. And the guy is just magic. So so he's in for Brent Mosing, is he? Correct. Yeah, okay. If you are looking at your entry list or you have a printed entry list, uh, it's uh, Tim Probert and uh, Brent Mosing in that car for Amarillo Racing. The 328i, fantastic piece of machinery. Straight six, of course, and... That 65 car now then has the Paul Ace of the ST season in it. Now, I mean, that would be a remarkable achievement later on if he could plonk that car on Paul. And I kind of hope he does because it's a great story. It is. Uh, what, that would be uh, four, three different teams and three different cars for the season. Uh, four different teams and three different cars for the season, but five Pauls. 
<laughs> and and again, never, I'm, hearing, never... I'm hearing he's got a shopping cart for the next round. <laughs> next round. And... But it's quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's an ace riding it, I tell you. That is just remarkable well, and, stuff. And, and never as a full-season driver. It's always been as a replacement. I mean, it, it really is, I think, one of the great stories of the season. And the only ending worthy of that story is for him to get signed with somebody and, and be a full-time driver. Clearly, he's capable. Keep an eye open as well for the Compass 360 <laughs> Racing Audi S3s. Very brightly colored cars out there. They were a big part of the Watkins Glen race. Now, they are all-wheel drive. They are Audi's legendary Quattro. But this is the S3 <laughs> saloon. Sorry. Just watching the uh, Porsche, the number 56 Murillo Racing Porsche. And I mean absolutely sideways at the apex. Jeff Mosing crossed up and sideways at the apex of nine. Uh, it it, uh, it does seem to be variable grip uh, at times around this circuit. I noticed... Uh, even in the earlier session, that uh, the cars are moving around quite a lot, particularly on the transitions uh, from the darker to the lighter pavement. Now, there used to be concrete strips at various parts of the circuit and the, the grip levels, and um, I remember doing some what were then called V-test laps uh, on the early parts of the week in a, an Audi R8 pre-production prototype, and you could really feel the difference in grip as the front tyres went over them, lost a bit of grip, Grip gained a bit of grip. Same with the rear wheels. Now it's it's much darker coloured now than it used to be, and it does look like that is some kind of asphalt, but it's not the same surface as the lighter colours around it, and it will be different, and it will of course evolve at a different rate, Greg, than the rest of the, the, the lighter grey surface around it. Absolutely. And again, going back to the loss of track time this morning, one, two, the fact that it's a lot warmer and that sun has been beating down on the track. Good. Yeah. And it's that black patching is going to retain that heat a lot more. I think you've just got cars and drivers that are getting into it and realizing, wow, this has changed a great deal. And uh, we're going to have to really be wary of that because you think about when the race unfolds, how it can change and react and the like, uh, that's all part of what they need to do And looking ahead to the qualifying session coming up. I just think uh, the track has just changed a lot, and they didn't get that much running in that morning session. So everybody's chasing things just a little bit. It's a BMW at the top of ST at the moment, but it's the 23 car, Terry Borchella, in the BMW 128i. It's the Burton Racing car that he shares with Mike Lamara. And that car, at the moment, heads a very strong ST field. The 23 from in second place, the 34, Devin Jones and Christian Simchak, the Alara Racing Master MX-5. In third position is the Piscatel Probert BMW we were talking about. And Jeff Mosing, the 56, that's a Porsche, isn't it? The Porsche Cayman. Correct. Jason Bredis is next up in the... 84, and that is another BMW 328i. So plenty of variety in that top half dozen or so. Zach Meyer uh, next up in the 37, which is the Mini John Cooper Works car, with Speedy Dan Clark as his teammate this weekend, the former IndyCar driver, and perhaps hasn't been quite so much on the radar, but has been doing some saloon car racing or some GT racing. Did a bit of uh, Porsche Cayman in the series, I remember, a couple of three years ago. And good to see Dan back in harness and racing again. Kevin Borman, Steve Ike has just gone through in the Honda of America HART, Honda of America Racing Team Civic SI. That's the Black 92 car. They were very impressive. Kevin, in particular, very impressive in the wet at the last round at Watkins Glen. And that car, that, those two cars, in fact, the 92 and the 93 car, Chad uh, Gilsinger and Ryan Eversley uh, now in that uh, squad Nice as to have well. him back Yeah, in a Honda, isn't it? Great to see those guys there. That is Honda America Racing Team, not as you might think a works team. Well, yes and no, because they're... Well, everybody on the team works for Honda America, yeah. but that's about it. They're all from, <laughs> from R&D. They're all from the factory uh, over uh, here or, or over down in the States. And, and this is, it's kind of a weekend project, literally. It's a bit of a works outing for these guys. Red flag is out in front of us. Yeah, number 18, I believe, is what uh, I heard, which is one of the Rensport 1 or RS1 Porsches in the ST Gary division. Brown. 
And uh, that they, I think they said turn one. And that would well, be maybe. Gary Brown driving it, and well, that is not good. You don't have a small one at one unless you've yeah. got a mechanical and you've stopped. And let's hope that's all it is. Who was it that was at the wheel of that then? Was it Merkett or Brown? Not seeing any remnants of a yeah. car on any of the pictures that we have access to. The camera's locked off. But thank you very much to our broadcast colleagues from TV for allowing us to, I'm not sure what the televisual equivalent of eavesdrop is, but so we're kind of looking over their shoulder to be able to still see the circuit cameras when, even when they're off on a break, they leave them switched on and we get a multiple feed in the booth. That's yeah, nice what they do. They just pull the camera the as far back at the shot as wide as possible, get it in what they think is the best angle and clamp it for us so at least we can see something and we appreciate that. You know, I was going to say, we've been talking already today frequently, John, about the history of this track and uh, certainly talking about Ford going back into mm. GT racing and the history and all of that. I love the fact that the Multimatic team with these new uh, 350R uh, Cs are remembering a real sense of history as well. You look at the two cars, they are white with two stripes. But if you look closely, the stripes aren't the same colors. No, and that's, that's right. what's really cool. The one car is running, well, the uh, the number 158 of Buford and Sindrick is running the blue dual stripes, which Very is reminiscent of Mr. Shelby and his Cobras, Ford Cobras and the like, running on the international scene. The other car, the 15 of Scott Maxwell, who, of course, is Canadian, running with Billy Johnson, and the team, Multimatic, a Canadian-based team, running two green stripes, which I think was way back in the 60s. That was debuted and became sort of the the ersatz Canadian national racing colors. And uh, I just I, I love the fact that these teams are really mindful of the history. And those cars look fantastic. Wait, don't they? The street mm. cars available from the beginning of September – so Ford's really making a big commitment in allowing Multimatic, all right, a, a very much a, a trusted partner to Ford Motor Company, but still that's a bold move by Ford to allow a third-party access to CAD data and to their brand-new Halo performance project before that car's even in the showroom. So we're getting a sneak preview, if you will, of that car from Watkins Glen and here at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, the racing version of it designated as the C competition, of course. So it's the Ford Shelby GT350R-C. The 350R is the street version, which is very, very sweet indeed. And it's a good-looking car with a new aero kit, but it's a great-sounding car, a distinctive sound, a new 5.2-litre V8 engine with a flat-plane crank, which does have... A different noise coming from it than the Boss 302s that are out there that Racers Edge and others are, are still campaigning. It really has a very much more visceral and almost, it almost sounds like it's alive. It's a, it's a flat plane <laughs> yeah. crank. It's a flatter noise as well on that, like an old World War II fighter. It sounds gets fantastic. into you. It really that's, does. That's the neat part about that's it. That's good. That's yeah. a very good analogy. It does. It gets into you. And you, you'll be able to tell the difference if you're here at the track, listening on 454, our scanner frequency on 90.7 FM. Um, between the two Mustangs, even if you can't tell them apart visually, there are some more than uh, subtle differences in the body kits. Uh, you'll be able to tell them about, uh, apart from the sound because the, uh, the new Shelby Ford 350R, if we get a green flag, uh, is a, a lower more burble of a sounder. It hits you lower down in the sternum uh, than the, the Boss 302. The other big difference, of course, underneath that car, you can't see it, but the driver's reporting that it was a major factor in how the car debuted in difficult conditions at Watkins Glen is uh, it's got independent suspension, yeah. so no more live rear axle at the back. Now, there will be Mustang enthusiasts who will be crying heresy at the moment, but in terms of turning a street car into a racing car when you can't do anything with the suspension pickup points and, and the basic layout of the car, that is a huge difference for the racing version of the car. And I'm told as well by everybody who's been anywhere near the new uh, Shelby 350 GTR uh, as a street car that it is a weapon. 
I come from a place where speed limits still exist, but it only takes me about three and a half, four hours to get to Germany once I get to the other side of the uh, of the uh, of the channel. And there are still quite a few places that are de-restricted, which have zero speed limits whatsoever, and uh, where the driving standards are quite frankly outstanding. Uh, and triple digits in miles an hour, not in kilometres, are, in fact, no, I was going to say commonplace. It's almost required, <laughs> as even I found out when we went down to Austria last year. Cars back on the as circuit. As is a refreshing use of your mirrors. It, well, always. Which always. Is? Through goes the 15, which is the fastest car. Billy Johnson has been installed in that. He was in it just as the red flag came out. Scott Maxwell's time, the 128-115. Uh, puts them at the head of the field. The 15 and the 158, very similar. The 15 has the bright orange accoutrement, particularly the wing mirrors uh, on that car, if you're here at trackside. Uh, Trent uh, Hindman in second position in the 46. Then Roman Liddell. They were down in uh, the bottom end of the top five in that six Stevenson Camaro to in, in the early session. So Robin already making up for lost time. 128.3, oh, two tenths of a second. In fact... Nine tenths of a second down to Brad Yeager uh, in seventh position. That car was fastest in the first session for BJ Zacharias. And uh, that is the 14, which is the 350Z, the 350Z Nissan uh, Nismo machine. Love the variety in this class. And if you haven't seen or taken much notice of the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge in the past, you are missing out. You truly are. It is, it is one of the best series in racing, bar none. And the fact that, one, it's the cars that are parked in your driveway, yes, uh, basically, that uh, you can come out and with very little done to them, really get to showcase what they're all about. That's what drives the manufacturer interest. And certainly that's what drives the Continental Tire interest because that's how you develop a tire for the streetcar that makes it safer when your family's on board and the like. So that's a huge story. But the quality of the drivers, the quality of the teams, even though if you look at it, in sheer pecking order, you go, well, it's a quote-unquote support series. Not really. You know, it. I look at it as the Saturday feature because it is that strong. It is remarkably good racing. And at the end of it, John, after two and a half hours of racing, you got at least one, maybe two pit stops for the Grand Sport cars, one for the ST cars, driver changes and the like. At the end of it, you see some of the closest battles imaginable. I mean, I, at Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca, I unfortunately missed the Glen, but at Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca, thank goodness the Fox guys that were cutting the show for the last, I think, 10 laps just put up a split screen and showed yeah. the Grand Sport battle and the ST battle because they were both ma I mean, absolutely magnificent, and that's what you oftentimes get with this. And uh, going back to that Mustang real quick, the one thing with that new uh, GT350RC when you look at it head on, it looks slipperier. Yeah. That's the one thing that you really yes. notice. That's here, point. that's going to be huge. And just some news coming in to us from the wider sports car world that it's uh, looking very much like Honda in America are looking to a GT program. Their P2 ambitions, of course, have been somewhat dashed. They've got a very pretty coupe here, but that's not part of the 17 regulations. So it's NSX that is being looked at now by Honda in North America and whether that would be into this series or to the Chile United Sports Car Series. Uh, twin Turbo V6 without the hybrid, of course, would be Le Mans eligible. That would be a mouth-watering, wouldn't it? M <laughs> NSX versus Ford GT in uh, GTLM plus GT3 cars in GTD plus the fantastic array of sports cars that we are looking at now in Continental Tires Sports Car Challenge, all of a sudden, it, it is becoming, this IMSA package is becoming the go-to package for anyone who enjoys their uh, GT and endurance racing with sports cars. And we'll keep our eye on that. That's coming to us from Marshall Pruitt at racer.com. And if you want to catch up uh, with what's going on there, those of you away from the circuit, it is on www.racer.com. Thanks, Marshall, for firing that through. He's listening in to us uh, over there at home base for him, which is uh, California. Uh, at IMSA Radio, of course, whether you're here at the track or around the world, if you'd like to uh, get in touch, make a point, or let us know what's going on on the part of the circuit that you're looking at at the moment. Uh, eyes around the circuit at Watkins Glen were invaluable to us in the uh, 
very stormy weather that we had. Coming through the last couple of corners here, Greg, you can really see the guys leaning on every single one of these cars. The speed of the cars, the lap time of the cars, it doesn't matter. There's not much being left on the table here by anyone who's coming through these last two corners. They look quite tight, but and as I just said that, a huge, huge <laughs> slide by the uh, number eight Camaro, the, the number six Camaro. I've, that's twice I've done that. And I was looking at it at that time. I had no, no excuses. The number six Camaro, very sideways, not quite Tokyo Drift style coming through the penultimate corner, but this is commitment with a capital K as they're coming through these last couple of corners. Well, it's Robin Liddell. He's just he throwing it out there and pitching it, wasn't Wilkins, he? Glenn. Well, yeah. I loved his quote afterwards where he said, yeah, it's just average Scottish weather. He, he'd you not know, driven that just, car in the wet, in know, the race. He, he, jumped, he jumps in having no knowledge of what's going to happen. He rolls out out of turn one, and his first lap around, and his first flying lap after that was right on the money, right on the pace. And that's when I realized that I could never, ever be a racing driver because I... That is otherworldly. How yeah. does he know how much grip's there? How does he know how fast to go into that corner and not fall off when you're in such bad conditions? And, and it's not just him. It's the other drivers as well. That's what makes a pro racing driver. That's the gift. Yeah. I mean, that's the only and, – and what it comes down to, you know, I, and I make this joke, you know, frequently, but I mean it as well. You get all these – you know, we talk about the data acquisition and the sensors. There's two key sensors in the car that's more than anything else. And I, I've joked, it's the ones labeled CR and CL, and it's cheek right and cheek left. And that's the gift. When you feel that grip and you just know when it's there, when it's starting to go to, you know, I mean, that's what sets them apart. And then the willingness to do that, that's what just means they're wired differently. Yeah. I, I find it quite remarkable. I really do. There's no other word for it. As, as people will know, uh, listening around the world and probably here at the track as well, I dabble. I always say I drive racing cars. I never say I'm a racing driver. Um, sometimes I even race racing cars, as I was last weekend. But that still doesn't make me a racing driver. These guys are wired differently. They are clocked at different speeds in the way that they react to things, the way that they look at things. And it's not about not having a what-if gene. It's about just being able to do it because that's what they do. And it, it never ceases to amaze me. Every time I go and do a race... I, I come back with renewed, at whatever level it is, in whatever car I'm driving, I come back with renewed admiration for everyone who does this on a regular basis or particularly does it at the kind of levels that we're looking at uh, out here. And uh, just as a, a little bit of a scary note, by the way, I'm now qualified for my international license, so watch out, rest of the world. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Greg, Greg's just... Just felt a cold, <laughs> cold shiver down his spine. One twenty-eight, one one five is still the fastest time for GS, and it's still the number fifteen, the first of the Shelby Fords. Forty-six, Trent uh, Hindman in second place uh, at the moment, still for the Fall Line Motorsports M3 BMW that he shares with Ashley Freiburg. Brilliant. And as I say that, Jed Buford just goes to the top of the timing screens in the other one of the. Uh, the other one of the Shelby's, the 158 car, and that's a 27.9, first of the cars in this session under 128. But just to go back to the uh, Hindman, um, Hindman, excuse me, and uh, Ashley Freiburg car, a really, really good result for them at Watkins Glen. Hasn't been the first, best first part of the season at BMW, not perhaps on the right on the sharp part of the pace in the field, but smart driving. Uh, by both of those drivers. And I, I did think that Ashley in the wet was very, very impressive indeed. Plus some slick pit work and good tactical nous got them a result at the weekend, uh, the last race weekend, which was uh, very impressive indeed. And that IHG-sponsored machine back up in the sharp end of the timing screen now as well with Trent, ahead of Robin Liddell, ahead of Matt Plum, who's in the Rumbum Racing Porsche in fifth position. Matt Bell for the second Stevenson car in the nine car in sixth position. The fastest car from this morning down in seventh position. How quickly these things can change. I would say the track is probably half a, half a second, maybe six or seven tenths slower than it was this morning, but a little bit of cloud cover now, just putting... A little bit of a barrier to the sun, and that might just help some quicker times.
Nick McMillan in eighth in the second of the Nissans. James Vance in ninth, running up the top, top ten, Martin Barkey. And that 80 car is again only a second and a half or thereabouts. A little bit more, actually, getting on for two seconds. But still, it's a blink of an eye, isn't it, round here? The kind of speeds that we're talking about. And that's just hooking a lap together. You're listening to IMSA Radio. We're live from Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. And this is the second free practice session of the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. And for those in the paddock, and I know there are many who are expat Brits like myself, uh, England are 289 all out in the first of the Ashes tests. That's a lead of 411 runs with Australia having just done two days to get those uh, get, get those runs. You're listening to IMSA Radio. We're live from Canadian Tire Motorsport Park and this is the second free practice session of the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. And for those in the paddock, and I know there are many who are expat Brits like myself, uh, England are 289 all out in the first of the Ashes tests. That's a lead of 411 runs with Australia having just done two days to get those uh, get, get those runs. Very few right now of the drivers running close to their best time that they set earlier in the session. And a lot of those fast times, John, literally set at the end of their very first lap. Yep. Uh, so what that tells me is they went out, they made some changes between that first second in the, uh, session and the second session based on that limited track time, went out, ran their laps, and said, okay, here's what the car's got, went back in, and now they're tweaking, they're working. And when you do that, you don't necessarily go out and just hammer the entire no, lap. No, no, if no. you've been struggling in particular with a specific corner or a sequence, that's the one that you'll go out, push hard in. Then you literally will get off it, get on the radio to the team, talk a little bit about it, and then come in if need be, make an adjustment. But uh, you, you don't string the whole lap together oftentimes in these practice sessions. You go out and you work on specific sequences and really get into it with your engineer at that point and try and dial it up. So as I think is, is normally the case, and wow, we're already half hour into this 45-minute session. They do go by. Uh, this last 10 minutes now is generally you'll see cars that last time in the pits, then they'll come back out, then they'll give it a push and see just what all the tweaks and changes have given to them with that mind always, that eye toward the fact you have to qualify in just a couple more hours down the road. So find out if the car is working, but do not throw it off the track. In other sports news, uh, Scotsman Andy Murray beaten by the Swiss tennis star uh, Roger Federer in three sets. So Andy Murray wow. out of his home event. That'll be a source of some consternation back home. Hop Swiss for Roger, as I have to say in deference to my Swiss, my very Swiss mother-in-law, who's actually in Switzerland at the moment, uh, memory serves, so they'll be going bonkers potty at the moment. <laughs> and uh, big, big sporting weekend uh, coming up. And uh, with uh, the motor racing here, uh, we've got IndyCar, of course, down at Milwaukee, expecting an announcement from James Hinch Hinchcliffe from there, which we'll all be listening to, I'm sure, about his uh, recovery. One of the smashing guys of, of motor racing. Truly. And uh, Toronto native, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, certainly from these environs. Plus more endurance racing across in Europe this weekend with the next round of the European Le Mans series. So bags to uh, get onto your planner this weekend. Make sure you get onto imsa.com to, to ensure you don't miss anything. Billy Johnson. Oh, here we go. Now we're starting to get with it. That fast time this morning at 27.54 by BJ Zacharias. Billy Johnson in the number 15 Multimatic Mustang, a 127.638. Jade Buford in the team car, also for the first time going sub-128 at a 127.917 with 12 minutes remaining in the session. Then it's the number 46. And Ashley Freiberg has taken over the controls of that car. Sits third now on Trent Hidman's time at a 128.2. 
But uh, both of those Mustangs now right up at the sharp end of things. And I really think what we're seeing here, that, that little bit of slipperiness, obviously, that the car has, and, uh, and uh, that's going to help it. The flat crank and the way that that actually uh, helps torque range, certainly not going to hurt. But I think on this track, John, it was what you were talking about earlier. That new independent rear suspension setup allows so much more flexibility in dialing a car up to hang with it through these long, long, fast corners. And, you know, I know, as you said, those all those Mustang purists going, no, no, no. But they also <laughs> said the same thing when they changed from drum brakes in the rear to, yeah. uh, you know, to discs. That's just not Mustang. But it's right. And this is going to just, I think, uh, these Mustangs now are these – 350Rs, these GT350RCs in particular, are going to be something else here because now they've got that little bit more range of setup to really hook them up for specific corners. I understand the sense of history in any brand like that, whether it's Mustang, whether it's Camaro, we've got here, Porsche 911. You know, all of these cars are classic cars. The nice thing about them is that you you can plot the development of the car. If the original guys who had built the Mustang were around now, trust me, it would have everything on it that they could put on it because the the guys wanted to make the ultimate car. Sure. When it was first built, it was the ultimate car. So it, it has to evolve. The new the new the street version of the uh, of the GT three fifty R has got magnetic ride on it. Now obviously that we don't have that in racing, but it's it's got the magnetic dampers on that we've seen in other performance cars. Well, you know, that's that's not 1960s Mustang either. That's not what Steve McQueen had. So what? So that's not good? No, of course it has to be good because, trust me, if it was available in those days, it would have been on the car. And that's, what, that's my answer to all of that. You, you know, you, you, you can't uninvent things. It's got to things, evolve. And you've got to let things in, evolve, absolutely. And when you're letting things evolve that is are still so clearly, that is still so clearly a Mustang. Without doubt. And it's so clearly a Shelby. Yep. Uh, and to have Shelby's name back, I was very, very blessed to have interviewed Carol Shelby a couple of times. Once at Le Mans when I spent an afternoon with him and uh, Phil Hill on the radio at the, in the old wow. Radio Le Mans days. And trust <laughs> me, that was an afternoon I didn't want to end. And, you know, those guys were racers through and through. And, you know, would Carol Shelby have everything that he could possibly have on a, a, a variant of a car that bore, bore his name nowadays? Yeah, he would. Sure he would. Yeah, he would. Variable that's, valve time, and you name it, he would have had it all on there. That's why Jim Hall created the high wings on the Chaparral. Oh, there I you mean, go. That's, now you're talking. That's the whole thing. That's that's the idea. And the interesting thing is you talk about still maintaining the history. You pointed out Porsche and, and the 911. You know, it's not like they've totally changed the layout of that car. They've kept that... that uh, Porsche bathtub concept with that engine in the back and the whole thing, but they've evolved everything else on that car, but it's kept that uh, that historical look, and I think that's the key. You keep the look, but underneath the mechanicals and the like, you update it. Just having some sad news coming oh, no. through that uh, Michael Argentsinger has uh, died as well, and of course we uh, were over in the Finger Lakes area of New York, son of motor racing icons Gene and the late Cameron Argent Singer, uh, Watkins Glen, doyens of racing at uh, Watkins Glen. Michael wrote five books on motor racing. Um, I remember particularly Mark Donahue, the Technical Excellence at Speed book. Um, he's won many, many uh, awards down through the years and raced himself for almost 45 years. And uh, sadly, we hear that uh, Michael Argentinger died on Tuesday. So just catching up with that uh, now. Survived by uh, his wife, Dr. Lee Green of Chicago. And uh, uh, sadness uh, to hear that another one of our motorsport community uh, has passed away. And uh, condolences to friends and family of Michael Argentinger who, uh, who died on Tuesday. Poignant, especially considering. Well, particularly we just at the Glen. Uh, yes, and yeah. and you know we were just looking at that fantastic in uh, international motorsports library facility that was uh, grafted onto the new uh, city library at Watkins Glen, the town, uh, by the Argentina family, and it is such a a, a fabulous resource. Uh, Jeremy was down there uh, whilst we were there. 
So that's, I'm afraid, another one for already, just a couple of months after Le Mans, our far too long roll of honour for next year's Le Mans 24 hours. It's, yes. uh, and the, the very poignant uh, time that we spend remembering people who are not at that year's Le Mans, who were at the previous one, uh, becomes more and more personal, unfortunately, every year as the uh, the people who we've either grown up with and had held as heroes or people who we have actually known and there's already been a couple of our friends in broadcasting who passed away since Le Mans. So it's going to be a particularly difficult one for us next year. But uh, a great legacy left by Michael and uh, to have those books that will last forever, of course, uh, and fantastic works, all of them. Let's get back to the racing because the great thing about what we do is that the racing does carry on and all of those names that we've talked about down through the years would not have it any other way. And a 127.6 for the 15 car is still the class of the field at the moment. Almost three tenths of a second ahead of its teammate, the, 150, the 158 car. Quickest car is in the pits at the moment, that's the 15 then Ashley Freiberg has just jumped into the 46 car, already getting down to decent times. 129.699 for her last time around. The car's quickest to 28.2 by Trent Hinman. Robert Liddell proving that uh, his pace last time out, and what a season they're having, is still there. 128.3, 128.4 for the Porsche of Rum Bum Racing, and Hugh Plum in that at the moment. Lawson Ashenbach <gasps> has jumped back in the nine. <laughs> This is, is this or is this not a great place to watch? Oh, this is phenomenal. Again, you were just talking about Hugh Plum and that 13 Rumbum Studios machine, and he got that thing again, like we've been talking about, sideways through turn nine. Not as bad as we saw Robin a moment ago. Uh, or, as beautiful, or, or as beautiful, <laughs> depending upon your viewpoint. But just carried a beautiful drift through that corner. And uh, it just tells you about how important the run out of 10 is, doesn't it? Yeah. That you've got to give up a little bit on the exit of nine to get it back over to get that run because one, two, three, four, wow. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just so quick here. It is spectacular indeed. And uh, Devin, I was just well, looking at it. Connor Blaum has taken that number 19. That's the RS1 Porsche. Uh, he just uncorked a great lap and jumped up into second spot on the last pass at a 132.789. And that moved Andrew Carbonell, who had just taken the number 26 uh, MX-5, Mazda, up to that uh, second spot at a 133 flat. So we're starting to see some of these drivers now, uh, especially in ST, really putting up some times. I was just watching Paul Holton in the 75 three, Compass 360 racing uh, Audi S3. Uh, unbelievable amount of pace he's taking into the apex of the final corner, turn 10 here. Uh, really using that four-wheel drive the Quattro system to its absolute limit. It's not the most powerful of cars. It's not the lightest of cars. Cars still being developed this season, but it does have all-wheel drive Quattro dr grip, and he's turning that car in on a very different line to everyone else and taking a huge amount of pace into the apex and seemingly getting on the power very early. This is the beautiful thing about what we're watching here, the cars have different characteristics. He's as quick, if not quicker, than some of the GS cars through the last two corners. Now, he's going to lose out in other parts because he's got a four-pot rather than eight cylinders. Here he comes now and just drifts in on a uh, slightly uh, more progressive line to the apex, which allows him to take a wee bit more speed in. Doesn't seem to be compromising his exit so much as he heads down to turn one now at the head of a little gaggle of ST cars. But... All of these little things just adding to the interest, the visual interest from my point of view and hopefully from you trackside as well here at Canadian Time Motorsport Park. As through goes the Cayman, the number 19 and car. By the way, especially with uh, all those Audis fielded by a Canadian team, Compass 360 Racing, yeah. and making that big step. He had been uh, running the uh, Hondas previously and have made that uh, big change to the Audis, and boy, uh, Carl Thompson and his team, they are so excited about this new relationship. One, with Audi as a manufacturer, but two, the potential of that car but in what, this class. Yeah. What I like about it is they haven't, you know, all right, they had a, a, a good relationship with Honda in oh, the yeah. past, and they'll, and they'll say that straight away, Carl and the rest of the team. They haven't made an obvious choice. 
could they could quite easily have gone with a Mazda. They could have gone with a, a Cayman. And by the way, what a great racing car the Cayman is. And, and Porsche have recognised that finally. And we will have a, a GT4 style Cayman coming out of Porsche Motorsport uh, in the coming months. But went for something different. Now, that's not the easy choice, Greg, no, because you've no. got to develop a new car. But I think that little A3, well, little, it's not that little, that A3 sedan, the saloon car version, the four-door, the chassis itself, the monocoque, with it not having the hatchback, has a little bit more inherent uh, uh, torsional rigidity to it. Uh, the, the cage went in pretty well from what, what I was talking to the team. And they were very, they've been very pleased at how things have gone in the early part of this car's development. Yeah, I mean, it has come around relatively quickly. And I think you have to give a lot of credit to, to Compass 360 Racing that have evolved, developed work on a lot of different cars over the year. And uh, the other thing that they do is they react. They are really good at looking at a scenario and saying, you know what? we think that this might be better in this class or this car would be the right fit for this category and make that change, they're very adaptable. And I think that's playing out and will be a, a, is a strong suit for them. And uh, there is still, uh, we're understanding that they might actually be running a GTD car at a couple of the oh, really? uh, sprint races uh, this year as well. So uh, exciting stuff uh, and uh, potential steps up a little bit. We're talking about how good this series is, mm-hmm. but to you know step into the Tudor series for that team, that's great news. But, but that is the beauty of what we're seeing on these IMSA-sanctioned weekends. It was a perfect... We, I mean, I think we have pretty much everything at Watkins Glen International. A perfect opportunity to see the variety of series that IMSA sanctioned, but also how they dovetail together, and it gives the opportunity to move up through single manufacturer racing, through, if you're into prototypes, through the prototype lights, if you're into GT and sports cars, up through either the single manufacturer racing or into the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge and then into the big show. And what it, it gets people is the opportunity to race on the same tracks as the big show, to entertain in the same way that the big show does and put themselves in front of teams or have the teams go, well, do you know what? We can do that. And, you know, we could, ooh, let's go and talk to those guys. And then all of a sudden, you've got a progression, not just for drivers, but for engineers, mechanics, team management, teams, and sponsors to be able to say, I like this. I like where this whole... It's a circus, isn't it? We come to a different town every couple of weeks. Well... I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of a different part of it, whether it's graduating up from one of the single manufacturer championships into CTSC or whether it's one of the prototype lights into PC and then into whatever. You know, it works. It works. It, it truly does. And I like that dovetailing of, of how things go. Uh, we've got the checkered flag out. We do. It, we do. We were waxing philosophic there, and, uh, and uh, the checkers snuck up on us. 45 minutes goes over very quickly for these guys, but it's been a productive one for particularly the uh, two new Multimatic Motorsports uh, Ford Shelby 350RCs because they sit atop the timing, Greg, with the times that are a blink of an eye away from each other, the 15 and the 158 with uh, 127.6 and a 127.9. Uh, and then just a tenth further back, the BMW M3, the four-line Motorsports 46 car. Ashley Freiberg finished uh, the session in that car. Trent Hinman put the time of 1.28.2 in. Robin Liddell was in the six Stevenson Camaro uh, in the the end of that session with a 1.28.3. 1.28.4 for Hugh Plum, Rumbum Racing Porsche. Lawson Aschenbach in the 9 Stevenson Camaro, 128.5. This is so good. 128.7 for the car that was fastest this morning, the Nissan BJ Zacharias and their teammates. Uh, Stephen Doherty jumped in the 41 car at the end of that session, 129.6 for that. 129.6 for Kyle Marcelli in the 80. And the top 10 made up by Chris Buffet in the uh, 78 with a 129.7. So... I mean, nothing. Take out the, particularly if you took out the two Multimatic Fords, it would be very, very close indeed. They've got a little bit of a march on the 
rest of the field, but still only a couple of seconds between the top ten. And ST, just as close. Absolutely, and in fact, your, Billy Johnson's time, you talked about a tenth of a second off of last year's qualifying record in ST, as you said, equally close, maybe even closer to a point. But Devin Jones in that number 34, and again with Christian Simsek, a time two-tenths underneath last year's qualifying record. So qualifying later today should be spectacular as things cool off maybe just a little bit. Uh, the number 19, one of the RS1 Porsches, that's the Cayman of Connor Bloom, jumping up into second, as I said, at a 132.78. Andrew Carbonell on the number 26, Freedom Autosport Mazda MX-5, third at a 33 flat. The 17 RS1 Porsche of Luis Rodriguez that he shares with Spencer Pompelli at a 131.12. The number 38, that is one of the uh, next-level European Porsches, Seth Thomas at a 33.14. Dylan Murcott in another of the RS1 Porsches at a 133.38. Eric Foss in the 56 Murillo Racing Porsche Cayman, a 133.4. I mean, it is just ridiculously close. In the 8 spot, the 23 Burton Racing entry, Terry Borschler and Mike Lamar at a 33.55. In the ninth spot, the number 5, Chad McCombie, that's the C.J. Wilson machine. That team turning a 133.57 and completing your top 10 in the number 37. Uh, just a fabulous run there as well for Zach Meyer. And that is the mini John Cooper Works machine up into the top 10 at a 133.6. But, again, you take out those top a uh, couple of times that you were talking about, John. Third was a 133.0. Fifteenth, a 134.0. Yeah. That's so a, a, a second yeah. between a dozen cars. Unbelievable. And, and you know, and that's a one lap. That's on one lap. That's the best of one lap. If you to, I bet if you took an average of the best five laps of all of those guys, that the the time differences would be absolutely uh, minuscule. The best news, Greg, is that we got a clean run. And Absolutely. although it was only 45 minutes, it was the full 45 minutes that was used up. And that will be manna from heaven for teams up and down that pit lane right there. Huge. I mean, that is exactly what they needed. Again, qualifying uh, coming up. It is right now just approaching about 5 to 2 local time here and uh, qualifying unfolding at 5.20. So just three hours or so away. They needed a clean session, one for the knowledge, two they needed a clean session to make sure that the crews didn't have any thrashing to do on these cars prior to that qualifying session. So I think uh, pretty much everybody ticked off the boxes they needed to. Just looking to see where the 65 Morello Racing car was in that session. 12th position for Tim Probert. He's uh, teamed up not with Brent Morsing, as it says, uh, this weekend, but Justin Piscatel has jumped into that BMW 328i. He is looking to go 5 for 5 uh, in pole positions in this championship this season. Uh, three different teams already in two different motor cars. This would be the fourth different team and the third different motor car uh, that he would be in. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it is it is bizarre because I'm pretty certain that 328 is a straight six. So then he would have done it in a flat six with a mid-engine, a four-cylinder in line with a front-engine rear-wheel drive and a six-cylinder in line with a front-engine rear-wheel drive. So variety being the spice of life for Justin Piscatel, who is rapidly becoming the go-to super sub in Continental Tires Sports Car Challenge in the ST category. I wonder how many cars he will have driven and for how many teams by the end of the season. Quite remarkable stuff. Well, if anything, if we can take anything from that, Greg, it, it is that the pace that we saw at Watkins Glen International for the new Multimatic uh, uh, Shelby 350s was not a flash in the pan. That yeah. certainly is something that, I mean, a similar circuit, yes. Uh, it's a power circuit in some respects here. Certainly it's a handling and a high-speed circuit. And those cars, once again, are looking very strong indeed. Of course, they didn't win at Watkins Glen, I wonder if the Stevenson boys have got something for them tactically later on, but not too far away. What, seven-tenths of a second? Not that's, at all. that's not the worst thing in the world. 
No, I mean, and, and again, this is practice, let's not forget. And, and you practice. may be working on a couple of different items and you weren't concerned about an outright lap. You've, you're confident in that lap. And uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see this play out come qualifying. But I think your, your point about the strength of those uh, two cars uh, is a good one. And again, I think it comes down to that adjustability at the back of the car. But, you know, a car that could be very good here because it doesn't have quite the power of those of those Mustangs or the Camaros, but as a result, it runs a little lighter, it's easier on tires, long duration mm. corners, a certain IHG Rewards Club BMW from Fall Line. Magnificent, best of the rest, if yeah. you will, and at the start of the season, that you wouldn't have uh, said that, they, they were struggling a little bit for pace, all of a sudden their season's come alive at Watkins Glen in difficult conditions, very different now, this is perfect racing conditions, and yet the pace is still there from Trent Hindman and Ashley Freiburg, and, you know, six-tenths away from the front, ha less than half a second away from Austin Sindrick. That's going to be a decent battle when we come around to qualifying. And, there's, you know, that's a strong car, of we legendary BMW 50-50 weight distribution. And your call about tyres there, that's very, very apposite uh, in this situation because these are long-duration corners that uh, put a, a bit of strain on the tyres. The Continental tyres are known for their durability and for very little drop-off in pace throughout the, uh, th throughout the stint. But we have indeed seen some of these guys in the past, particularly the MX-5, do a whole race without changing tyres. And that, uh, that does give you an advantage in the pit stops. Well, that's still all up for grabs and that's still all supposition because the race, of course, is Saturday. We've got qualifying to come later on this afternoon in just about three hours' time. That's also going to be covered uh, here, of course. The sun is out. It's great weather to watch motor racing. And if you can't be here at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, then the best place to be listening is to it all live here on IMSA Radio. This programme is a production of IMSA and Radio Show Limited. For more, visit RadioLeMond.com.